I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James, we are back from California. The Leafs are back from California. They continue to roll. We have a lot to talk about, but let's just start off the hop. What was your degree of surprise at the way that that game against Colorado went? Like, usually the saying or the story goes, you come home from a long road trip and you're not going to play well. And that was not what happened for the Leafs. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of a benefit and they didn't have to roll right back into a game. They got, they did get the two days off. I mean, the NHL schedule is, is tough and... They benefited from Colorado's goalie playing like yes. he played. He played like they put the emergency goalie in there. <laughs> Although yes. you know what, though, like the 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 Leafs had uh, Leafs had lots of glorious chances. I mean, like you get Colorado did not look. You can kind of see they've struggled somewhat this year, and you could see why. Yeah, with some of the the plays that they made in that game. So now it is. 15 of the last 17 games. I want to read you some stats from this stretch, James. Uh, so the Leafs are 15-2-0, like I just said. They have outscored teams 61-29 to during that stretch. 3.6 goals, 4 per game. 1.7 against. Their power play is almost at 29%. Their penalty kill is at 85%. They're just like kind of clinical right now. Um, so everything's coming up Millhouse, Jonas. Exactly. So of course, James, we do have Josh Cloak, uh, our amazing Leafs, Marley's prospects writer coming on in a little, we're going to do the pod bag, but first I know you're excited because I haven't even told you about this. We are going to play a game. Are you ready? Again? You love games. I thought thought we were done with the games. No, I'm always going to bring them back as much as I can. It's, so, if a team is 15 and 2, it better not be like you know. What is your they, favorite board game by the are, way? Are they bad or are they good? My favorite board game. Yeah. Are you a Monopoly uh, man? Are you like a, a trouble? Do you I like I have this I have this game that we've had the last few years that we played the cottage and it's called Survive. Have you heard of that game? Never heard of it. It's it's pretty fun. Is the object to survive? Yeah, we should play it one day. You have like a bunch of characters. It's sort of like, 
a simpler version of something like Risk. Well, uh-huh. maybe that's not the right. You have like a bunch of characters and you got to get them off this island and and into uh to safety before the uh before the island implodes. Well, I just watched Castaway, by the way. Okay. As an island related topic. All right, so the game James <laughs> is most encouraging. So I'm going to give you a couple scenarios and you, not scenarios, but some things and you get to pick which is more encouraging. So the first one. Okay, this is good. A positive game is a good idea. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we need to talk about No. They're 15 and 2 in their last 17 games. Like we kind of get to give them some slack. So would, yeah. <laughs> the first one, James, most encouraging. Austin Matthews coming around like he has in the last, let's say, two and a half, three weeks. He scored five on five goals and four straight. He had the hat trick against Colorado or John Tavares' hot start to the season. He is, I believe, still leading the team in scoring at last check. When I looked last night, he was tied for sixth in the NHL in, yes, in points. 25 points. Uh, Tavares, far and away, hmm. is, is most in- I I didn't doubt for a minute that Matthews wasn't going to get back on track. So, I mean, the more you looked at, at his shooting percentage and the chances he was generating and everything, it's just like, this is just going to... This is this is kind of a figment of our imagination that he's not that this isn't going to turn around for him and you know now after the hat trick and and uh, was it six goals in four games I think yep after six goals in four games he's on pace for you know he's back on pace for fifty something so you know um, Matthews is where he needs to be I mean it, Tavares is one of those ones where he has the just the brutal injury in the playoffs and. You know, it, it just, it puts, it puts some doubt in your mind and you, you wonder, is he going to come back the way that he was? And I would say he's come back even better. So, that's a huge positive for the Leafs this season. Well, and you look at some of what's gone on with Tavares, to me what stands out is he's scoring around the net all the time. Like, he's just mm. generating all these good looks around the net and capitalizing. And then you look at some of his five-on-five numbers and these are, like, today as we're recording this, these are basically... I mean, it's the best five-on-five point production of his career. Like, it's it's slightly better even than that 18-19 season uh, when he had the 47 goals and 88 points. What's interesting, James, is like having looked at this recently, that line and, and some of the numbers for him specifically defensively were not great. And yet, it's felt like he's kind of been their most reliable source of offense, like even more so than, than Matthews, obviously more so than Neilander, more so than Marner. Um, is there anything you're noticing about him during the start of the season? Because you remember like he, like everyone else didn't have a great first four or five games. And then since then he's kind of taken off I, I, with him too early on. It was like, he, it felt like he was getting chances. And I, I think what you're saying about the, what's happening around the net, rings true uh, certainly that with the power play kicking back yes, into to point. like he's he's a, he's a uh, been a huge weapon at the front of the net well and you know what they're them. doing james that they didn't do last year they're involving him and i think you can see the effects of spencer carberry's power play like they just create all these different looks and they're dangerous and you can tell that they're confident but like that's a great point about the power play i'm just looking up his power play stats while you, we're talking you can see you can see uh, like during Remember you wrote, about, I think you wrote about what they were trying on the power play. Yeah. Was it during training camp, I want to say, and yeah. like some of the things they were doing and you just look at some of, of the drills and things they're doing in practice and it's almost like they're doing more like of these like half cycles of the puck and like shifting it down low and then getting it to Tavares in tight and, you know, they're they're, they're getting Tavares to, to pass the puck around down in, in some of... Yes. You know, the dirty area. I don't know. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, he's just getting... If we... I should look and see if I st- if, if my my subscription to that Instat site is still working because I could look up, like, touches with the puck on the power play because I'd be either way up for Tavares. Yes. They are kind of involving him in different ways. Like, they're... They have, like, this stuff play where they, they dump it down to him and he just jams it in. But it, they also use him as kind of an outlet to set up opportunities for Matthews, to set up opportunities for Marner in the slot, or, sorry, Neilander in the slot. And sometimes he goes back to the point a couple of times. I've he, seen that. He moves which around. We which we didn't see. But, but And sometimes he passes it back to the point, which we didn't see at all in previous iterations of the power play. 
Yeah, so this is like, it's a very encouraging start to the year for John Tavares. He's got 11 goals, 25 points in 23 games. He missed that one game. That's very positive. The fact that he's been their most consistent offensive player is sort of surprising. He is one of the highest paid players in the league. He is a very good player. Like this kind of feels like a continuation of his second half last year, which is obviously what made it so damaging what happened in the playoffs and obviously so scary for him and the organization and everyone. Yeah, I've seen some fans saying like, you know, it just it, it highlights how big of a loss that was not having him in, sure. in, that, in that series. Yes. Next part of the game, James, most encouraging, the power play or the penalty kill? Huh? Huh? Special teams? You like that? Uh, um, I probably say, I'd probably say power play, although... Interesting. I was going to say penalty kill. Yeah. I just feel like that the way the Leafs are built, the power play has to be really good. Like, that just has to be a weapon for them. And the fact, it was so bad last year, too. Yes, it was crippling. It, it was just awful. So, I, th- I I would say the power play just because they had to get that fixed. Here's what I would say about the penalty kill. Obviously, you are right. The, the power play is was a disaster last year. It cost them in the playoffs. Like, games five, six, and seven, there were opportunities that their power play could have basically won them the series and eliminated all of the whatever you want to call it after that series. Um but their penalty kill has hurt them in the past. And and I just like the look of their penalty kill. Um, it's, it's very aggressive. They're not generally spending a lot of time in zone. Obviously, their goaltending has been really good. I think David Kampf has made a big difference on their penalty kill. I think Kasha, when, he, when he's been healthy, has, has really helped. Like, you can see why Sheldon Keefe thought, hey, this guy might be a good penalty killer. Like, he plays really hard. He's a terrific skater. He feels bigger than he is. He's aggressive. I just I just like the look of their penalty kill. Like, I haven't ever... I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, the time that I've covered the team. The, like, generally, their penalty kills have not been very good. This one feels been, like legitimately... Or, they've been, just okay, or yeah. they've been okay, right? Like, they've, they've... I think under Babcock, they had some penalty kills that were just, you know, kind Fair. of fine. Fair. Yeah. But I mean, even the fact that like you've taken two of their of your best penalty killers off the team in Zach Bogosian and Zach Hyman, and the power the penalty kill I I think has gotten a lot better. Part of that is goaltending. Like Frederick Anderson was not good at all on the penalty kill last year. That you can't win without that happening. Um, but I think that's that's very encouraging because. Like we've talked about here, special teams in the playoffs, whether it's penalty kill, whether it's power play, like you kind of need to have both humming or at least one humming and both so far have been pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like the power play, like the penalty kill wasn't something we were pointing to last year again and again and again as being a huge problem. So they got, they got the huge problem fixed, which was, you know, it's been a complete turnaround and you know, I think part of us wondered watching the power play last year was, you know, it felt like it was kind of in their heads or something. Like it was just... And didn't it feel that way earlier this year too? If I remember? Yeah. It was like Dr. Evil stole their mojo on the power play. Nice reference, James. I always appreciate a good Austin Powers (laughs) reference. Stink, stink current. I can mix some more in if you want. You definitely should. You know, what's interesting is Morgan Riley mentioned during that road trip that they want to kind of have like an overshoot mentality. Which I think is interesting in on the power play on the power play, and I, yeah. and I think that makes sense. What I'm fascinated by, and I think is is a good sign, is kind of how I'm trying to think of a good word. They're they're getting like it's not just one guy. Like obviously, a big problem with their power play the last couple of years is it was like basically just revolved around Matthews, and if Matthews' shot wasn't going in, they weren't scoring. And now it's you look at it, and I'm looking at the shots on the power play. Who do you think is first? On the power play and shots. Uh, well, Matthews missed some games, so maybe it's Nylander. It is Nylander and Tavares tied with 22 shots apiece. They are also 1-2 in attempts. Then it's Matthews at 16 shots. Then it's Riley with 15 shots. Then it's Marner with 11 shots. So I just think... It seems Riley's been shooting more to yes. me. It seemed, yeah. And that was something I noticed in, in camp when they were practicing, that, that that was one of the options. Like, Spencer Carberry, I recall at one point, like, he went, they went through, like, 11 or 12 different looks that they wanted to have, and a lot of them involved Riley. And, I mean, there were questions people had about 
whether Riley was a bigger part of the problem with the power play or whether well, he doesn't have a bomb, right? Like he doesn't have the, the traditional shot from the, the shot threat from the point. So no, I always thought that the- that was kind of overblown. Like I, I, he had been a pretty good power player person at points in the past. So well, I think that they like Riley because of the way he can break out and get the zone entry and things like that on the power play. Like I think that that's a big piece of why they like him on that unit. Yeah. And that was a, a struggle at points last year. Um, that's been better. I just think he's a better, like he's a good, pretty good decision maker. And obviously now that they have so much more movement and unpredictability and the word that you use that I can't forget is chaos. Anyway, let's move on to the next part of our game. Most encouraging James. I was going to call you Dames. Uh, Dame James Myrtle. Um, most encouraging the depth that the Leafs have gotten with guys like Kerfoot, Bunting, Camp, Kasha, or, and we've kind of touched on this, the way that the stars have played over the last, since October 27th, basically when this start stretch started. No, I would say the depth is the most, I, I like, I, I didn't really question that the stars were going to, I didn't feel like they were going to struggle during the regular season. I mean, they've been pretty, pretty good. It's, it's just been you know, when you you get right down to it in a playoff series, they they've they've had some struggles. But we didn't I think I think we need to remember and, and people listening need to remember, like we had no idea what what Kasha, Bunting, Kamp, yep. Richie. Richie we had we didn't know what Lilgren was gonna give them. Yeah, good call. To a lesser to a lesser extent Sandine. Um I think that's that's it for the newcomers, but you know the big question mark was you know you lose someone like Zach Hyman who plays in your first line and who's one of your best forwards and has a really a, a another great breakout year plays on both special teams could they replace him you know by committee and I think that so far the answer is yeah I mean they're 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 look at me look at how they're winning games so you know they've gotten you know the the contracts they they did two year deals too for Camp and Bunting so it wasn't even like it was. You know, let's take a seven hundred thousand dollar a year flyer on on a Jimmy VC. There was, you know, like these are players that we think are going to be part of our team for for more than one season and and be good contributors. And you can see why so far. Well, and you talk about value. Bunting has thirteen points in seventeen games. He's playing on the top line. He's making nine hundred and fifty thousand. Um, David Camp. Like his produced uh, way more than I thought he would so far. He's got seven points in 17 games. Obviously, his role is not that. His role is to be like the defensive stopper, and he's been really effective at that. And for one and a half million, that is good value. And that is, that's a good, that's looking pretty good. And then you mentioned Kasha. He was scoring before he got hurt, he was penalty killing. I mean, we, we talked about it, like you mentioned before the year, that they took these bets. They basically took four bets, and three of the four so far have worked out. Like, the only one that doesn't look great right now is Nick Ritchie, but it hasn't mattered because they kind of have just moved on. Yep. Yeah, I don't have... I don't have a whole... You don't have a whole follow, follow? But we should... The, the Lilgren point is, is notable. Um, I would not have expected... Did not expect him to play this much. Um, it was interesting, James, like, in looking at the numbers on their third pair when it was Dermot and when it was Lilligren with Sandine. And basically what I gleaned is they're a little bit better defensively with Lilligren and they're a little bit better offensively with, with Dermot. Is there one you prefer or just whatever? Both are fine. I think I would want to see more of the rotation. I, I, I Okay. It's almost like, you know, now they've got their seventh defenseman is as good as other teams, fifth or sixth event. Sure. And just, you know, like, so if someone gets hurt now, it's like, you're not, there's not going to be like a downgrade with someone coming into the lineup, really. Uh, I mean, if they lose someone in the top four, like they are, they are hurting, but that's most teams, right? But they've got like a really NHL caliber top six defenseman if someone gets hurt, basically. Yes. The one guy we didn't spend any time talking about is Kerfoot. And I think we should spend a minute, uh, just a minute, maybe two. Um, he's had a really good year. I mean, 14 points in 17 games. He's on pace for a career high. He's playing 15 minutes a game. He penalty kills. He's, he's fit well with Tavares and Neander for the most part. Um, obviously the expansion thing was a big flashpoint, um, as to what the Leafs did, but now like 
that looks like a pretty good decision. Obviously, you can quibble with the Justin Hall thing, but I mean, to send basically nothing to Pittsburgh for the right to protect at least Kerfoot or McCann, now that they, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, had they not done that, and let's just say they lost Kerfoot, they'd be in some trouble, I would think. Well, there was some talk that they would need to move Kerfoot just to create some cap space in order to spend on their other needs. But then, you know, he has a really good postseason. And a lot of our projections, if you go back like two years or even a year, like we were thinking they would lose Kerfoot in expansion, that would open up some cap space and they would have to find a way to replace him in in free agency with, with some more, you know, kind of bargain buys. And that's not the way it's worked out. And He's been a legitimate top six forward so far this year. Yeah, and we'll see what happens when Ilya Mikheyev comes back. But right now, if he came back tomorrow, he would not be playing in their top six. Like, I don't think that they would change anything there. Well, yeah, I think that... And that's where, honestly, I think he fits best is to play with Kampf and, like, Kampf, Kasha, Mikheyev, I think would be a really good line. But anyway, that's not yet. So, let's... Sorry, I interrupted you. Did you have anything else to say? I did not. No. Okay, great. Okay, let's take a quick break and then let's come back with Josh and then we'll get to the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, we are back and we are back with a guest. Our man, Josh Cloak, is in the building. Josh, what's happening, man? I know I've been kind of putting off the invite for a long time. Yeah, you've been you've been Matt Damoning us. <laughs> Actually, we've been Matt Damoning you. you know, uh, does either of you understand that reference? Probably not. It's from Jimmy Kimmel. Is it nice. Not? Yes, I'm yeah. proud of you. Thanks. James wouldn't have gotten that. I think you're going to have to explain it for the audience, Jonas, because no one knows what the hell you're talking about. Basically... It became a running joke on the Jimmy Kimmel show that at the end of the show, he would say, sorry, Matt Damon, we ran out of time. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Uh, so, Josh, we want to have you here for many reasons, um, but I want to start with the Morgan Riley piece that you released this week. Uh, if people haven't read that, go to The Athletic and check that out. Go to theathletic.com slash leaf report to sign up if you haven't already. Uh, so you spoke to Morgan Riley. I'm wondering like what the most interesting part of your conversation was in your opinion, like what you took away most from that conversation. Uh, the most interesting part that actually didn't make it into the story. And I was thinking about a way to kind of, uh, I don't know, shoehorn it in and maybe we can just talk about it here. Um, I had to ask them about, or I had to ask him about the team's fantasy football league, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, these are the things that I kind of miss about having, you know, the dressing room closed is just kind of, you know, making small talk. Um, I finally found someone to say the first kind of disparaging remark about Jack Campbell. Wow, uh, interesting. It's, it's been, you know, in his time here, I don't think we've heard a single negative thing. Um, what I learned is that apparently, Jack Campbell drafts fantasy football from his heart. He drafts players that he likes, and then he drafts these players that he really likes, like, way too early. Um, so he has a team that he's proud of, but a team that is performing really, really bad. I think he's in last place. Wow. He probably, team's fin- he's, yeah. he's one of those people that probably picks based on who the good guys are in the league. Yeah, so apparently his fantasy football team is really bad, and, and I think our – your listeners would appreciate that. Um, So that was one little nugget. I don't know. I I guess I just found with Morgan, he was just kind of very um, 
very open, very honest, and very just um, the way he talked about his teammates and the way he kind of said that, you know, he, he decided over that he knew he wanted to stay in Toronto, but the thing that really pushed him over the edge was the conversations that he'd have with friends in Vancouver over the summer who would kind of were giving him stick about, you know, the leaf season and the way it ended. And he said he found himself getting more and more defensive about his teammates than he kind of ever has before. Um, and Jonas, you and I had kind of talked about this before. I talked to Morgan about like, what is it like being someone from Vancouver? Because there's this kind of longstanding, I don't know if it's a rivalry, but it's, there's a way that people in Vancouver think about Toronto. They um, hate it. Yeah. Right, James? And, well, not, not everybody. Most people. <laughs> I'm, I'm evidence that it's not. Yeah. There's, there's a pathology there. There's some people that don't, that don't, uh, that feel like it's, it's big, bad Toronto, but like, you know, like. Like, look, Riley's a, a good example of someone who moves to Toronto because of circumstance and loves it. And I'm the same way. And I think that that really resonated. He mentioned multiple times. He's like, I'm a Torontonian. This is where I want to stay. This is where I want to be, you know, essentially for the rest of his career and maybe the rest of his life. Obviously, you know, his new partner, Tessa Virtue, kind of... Um, you know, plays into that a little bit, but I, I just found him to be a little more honest than, than, you know, he has been in scrums or whatever. And Jonas, like you've probably found this too. It's, it's been different kind of covering the team and talking to players, but when you do actually get the one-on-one, it's not as if they, they, they don't want to talk. I find they still have lots to say. Yep. It's just finding the right forum to, to kind of allow them to, to say those things. Right. Josh, let me ask you this, Josh. When you knew you were going to talk to Morgan Riley for an extended period, what was the main thing going in that you were thinking in your mind you wanted to talk to him about? Just about what it's like getting old, right? He's not <laughs> older, <laughs> older. <laughs> well, he's not a he's not a young guy. Yes, anymore. he is. <laughs> he's twenty seven. Not in the league, though, Jonas. Now he's like that's that's average age in the NHL. Okay, there you go, average. But when you sign that kind of deal, an eight-year deal, you're kind of, you know, you're you're almost entering that next phase of your career. Um, so I just wanted to kind of focus on that, like where his head is at as he's kind of just settling down in life, which I know isn't like super glamorous, but he ended up having a lot to say about it, about welcoming responsibility in his life and kind of not turning his back on, you know, going out to restaurants and kind of eating out alone. He just... Yeah, this is a guy that like, you know, always told me he liked being alone. He liked kind of, you know, his own space, but he doesn't really have that anymore. So, um, yeah, portrait of an old man, I guess. Yeah, Josh, I rem- I can't forget that image you had in that uh, week in the life that you did with him of him sitting at the bar in Oyster Boy reading a book. And I was like, yeah, it's, that sounds like a pretty good night. Like, I can understand why he would do that. But that kind of paints a window into to who he is, you know? But he doesn't have that anymore, right? And and yeah. um, I think that's kind of it, – it's interesting. I think he probably maybe aligns more with like – even though he doesn't have kids, the, the Muzzins and the Tavares on the team, those players that, you know, are probably slowing down a little bit and kind of, I don't know, maybe taking it easy on a weeknight. Um, and I think that's something that he kind of – at least what he told me, he's kind of embracing, right? Let me ask you guys this, actually, both of you. James, I'll start with you. Do you think he's properly appreciated in Toronto? I mean, the fans, the fans love him. You know, like I think that honestly, you can see it in the reception that a story like that gets. Is that like on social media, everyone just is, I would say he's probably one of the more popular Leafs. One of the things I see a lot from Leafs fans is he should be the captain. There's, there's been a lot of that around Riley for, you know, since before they named the captain and, and ever since that he should be the captain. And I think it's just his personality and who Riley is that really resonates with a lot of fans. And it seems like a lot of maybe like younger fans are really, really big Riley fans. He talks like it, right? He talks like a captain, you know, and, and I think the idea of like him being you know, drafted by the Leafs and sort of being developed by the Leafs and having been there for, you know, the ugly years and kind of 13, 14, 15. Um, I think that also probably is something that he probably could have brought to the captaincy. Um, yeah, you know what? Know. It's it's funny you guys mentioned that. 
it's one of the, the the more interesting decisions. Like, it's not a huge deal, but I always thought, like, if you weren't going to give it to Matthews, and I thought they still should have given it to Matthews, that it kind of made more sense. Now, like, why wouldn't you just give it to Riley? Like, he was kind of like your cultural touch point. Like, he'd been he'd been around, like Josh said, through everything. Like, he's kind of more the guy in some ways than than Tavares would be just because he was new and obviously he has a different personality but I guess it doesn't matter like it's it's interesting that he could be like a lifelong leaf I mean there aren't many of those that happen like I'm trying to remember who would even be the last one I don't like I can't remember if he plays out like the duration of his deal which is a big if but sure. like he'll he'll blow every other like defenseman out of the water for games played by a leaf. Yes. Um, is, is number one, is it Carilla or is it? He, uh, I think Salming? it is. No, I, I want to say. I mean, Salming is like far and away the leader for points for defensemen. Mm-hmm. Like Riley will never catch him. Yeah. Well, he was a hell of a player. Yes. The one thing that you had in the story, Josh, that I didn't agree with was you called the contract extension that he got surprising, which I, I don't agree with. I don't think that. The timing was surprising. Yeah. I guess. I mean, the timing was going to be before he became a free agent. So, I think True. at any point, just just from poking around to that in the summer, I thought there there was mutual will to get something done. Explain yourself, Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, we, we I, that part was taken out of the story. So, it's not in there anymore. But originally, it said it was a surprising contract. So, I, I didn't, I don't agree with that. Well... Uh, and that's fine. I, I guess I thought it was, I think that the timing was surprising too. And I, I think, um, again, what's surprising is like, could he not have fetched a little bit more on the open market? And I guess what was surprising too is, is sorry, like I thought his comments at the beginning of the season were pretty telling, right? He says, he's asked about that. I think on media day, Jonas, you were there and he yeah. says, you know, I, I, I love being in Toronto, but he said something to the effect of like, this is a business and, you know, you, you, you never know what happens. And I guess I just looked at the way the Hyman, you know, saga kind of played out and he went for money. And I guess my thinking is like, if you're only going to get one of these deals, you know, maybe you should try and make as much money as you can. Uh, that's why it was surprising for me. I think that management realizes their perception of, of letting guys walk again and again and, they didn't want to see that. Ha- they didn't want to see that happen this time. That that was my read of of the situation. They liked the player, and they came to a number that I don't think they. I don't think they love the number, but they can live with that number. I do think it's like a teeny bit surprising. Not like it, it's, it's. Yeah. Anyway, we can move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Marley's. Awesome. You wrote about Joe Duzak. Tell me why he is interesting to you. I think he's interesting because his game has actually evolved. Like I watched him in his first season, even his first two seasons, and he just seemed like a player that always wanted to make the high percentage play and always wanted to make the dangerous play and always, and I think a lot of Marlies and a lot of just young players can be accused of this, just always wanted to make the play that he thought would garner him the most eyeballs. I think he felt like every kind of shift was like, a tryout in a way. And I, I have to make this, you know, outlandish play to show everybody what I'm like, everybody believes what I'm capable of. And, you know, Timothy Lilligren has kind of alluded to, to that as well. He always felt, you know, at least at the end of his tenure with the Marlies, he needed to make this, you know, incredible cross ice pass, or he needed to dangle. He needed to show what he was capable of, but he's a player Duzak that has just learned you know, to make more of a simple play and to read the situations on the ice better and to kind of track back defensively and just buy in to more of a, you know, defensive structure because he could be accused of, you know, kind of freelancing a lot and being a fourth forward. And the the skill is there, right? The skill with the puck is there, but he's slowly learning how to defend, which is is pretty critical. Does that make him... You know, a leaf next year or in two years, I don't know. Uh, he's still way on the small side. Um, but I think it's just evidence that, you know, some of their higher end prospects are, are starting to learn. And I think, you know, he's a player that I think has learned a little bit under Greg Moore. And I don't know if Greg Moore has put a lot of fingerprints on this team yet, but I think he, Joey Duzak is one that he is kind of 
you know, working with. And, and I think we're seeing some of the kind of the, the byproduct of that. The Marley's defensemen are, they're kind of interesting. Like they, it feels like they got a bunch of guys that are sort of interesting, but I don't know if any of them are going to be make any kind of an impact at the NHL level. And obviously you're around the Marlies more and you've been watching them closely this year. And is there, is, would Duzak be the guy that you feel like is most likely to play in the NHL in the next, let's say two years, or is there someone wow. else down there that, that makes sense? Yeah. I, I, I Duzak's a right shot, which always helps. But I think if you're looking at like the guy that's probably the most pro ready, it's probably Christians Rubens. Um, does that make him, you know, a top four guy. No, I, th- I think he's probably a guy that could log bottom six or bottom pair of minutes because he has the size, right? He's a, he's a big player. He's learned how to use his physicality a lot more. And, you know, I've had people around the Marlies tell me that that's been the focus for the last year is just making sure this player learns to use his size. Um, he kind of models his game a little bit after Jake Muzzin. Um, if he was a little bit better with his puck touches in the offensive zone, you know, he'd probably be playing games by now, but um, really mature guy. Sheldon Keith loves him. I remember um, Greg Moore telling me when he took over for Sheldon Keith, he was like, Christian Drubens was one guy that Sheldon Keith said, watch out for this guy. He's, he's someone that I like. He's someone that has a future with the team. It's a long road, but he, I think just his size and his, his defending ability makes him like a good kind of bottom pair guy. Um, and if he's been called up once, obviously didn't get any game time, but um, he's been around the team. Um, Jonas, as you know, he's going to log serious minutes for Latvia. In the <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure we'll all be watching those games very closely. I know you actually will. He's going to have to like play against like, you know, yeah. Sweden, Sweden's best forwards. Um, and I actually think stuff like that is really going to help him. Um, but he's probably the defenseman that is closest to ready, but I don't know how close that actually is. Well, the Marlies, like, as you know better than anyone else, basically outside the organization, they're in kind of like a weird state. Like they don't, you did a, if people haven't seen it, you did a kind of a timeline for a lot of the prospects and there's not like a guy you can really look at and say like that guy for sure is going to be on the Leafs in a few years, in two years, a year. Like, I don't, is there anyone like with like 90% certainty you can say will be on the Leafs? Like maybe Robertson, but like, it's been really obviously a tough go with injuries for him. Like, is there anyone you're sure about will be a Leaf? That's a good question. I I do think Robertson will. I I think one player that, and, and it's early, but I think one player that has impressed a lot of people with the Marlies is Alex Steves. Um, he kind of had a tough go with an injury and development camp, but he spent the entire summer here. Like this is a free agent signing out of Notre Dame. He spent the whole summer here and he was a, like a guinea pig for Haley Wickenheiser. Um, he skates really, really well, really smart. But again, this is a player that's going to have to transition from being like more of a scorer in college to kind of a, a bottom six guy that can be trusted defensively. Um, I don't know if I'd put him like as I definitely wouldn't put him as high as Robertson, but I think just his combination of smarts and skating, um, and like a willingness to play defensively really helps his cause. Um, I'd put Rubens up there. Um, and I also think, and I put this in a prospect report a few weeks back. I think they should be really looking at Eric Calgren. I'm mispronouncing his last name. Calgren. Calgren. Thank you. Uh, I guess they don't really have, I mean, Joe Wall got the first opportunity. He's been with the organization for a while, but I mean, if Mrazek or Campbell were hurt again, like maybe he's the guy who gets the next call up basically. No, he looked looked really good in his first few games before he got hurt with a concussion. He's back after being away for two weeks. He has the pedigree, right? He won an SHL championship, you know, last year um i think the pedigree is there i think the composure is there um i i guess my thinking is that like if they're gonna give joe wall a few games which they did and it that that kind of surprised me that they just like kind of turned the keys over to him for more than just like a game or two yeah um i wonder if late in the season right maybe if their playoff spot is locked up or you know probably more likely next season that they should give him a few games because 
we kind of saw this with Semyonov, right? These players that come over on free agent signings, I, I, I like. They want to play. <laughs> they want to play, and they, they. I think they. Sh- I think the Leafs should be giving them like games to kind of, you know, kind of dangle the carrot, right, and let them know that like they're not just bringing them here to fill out the Marlies. Um, well, uh, Shalgren signed a two-year. He his entry level deal was two years, right? So he's kind of he's committed more to being a Marley than someone like Semyonov would have been. Like if I think if the the goaltending situation looks different to start next year, right? Like if if Campbell's brought back and they have to move Mrazek, um, I could see him getting a few games, right? Because he's played North American hockey before, didn't turn out so well, but is just a really mature kind of composed player. And I think one thing that kind of hurt Joe Wall last season and the season before was just. He had trouble reading the game. He had trouble reading the kind of speed of the game around him. Um, and I had a number of people like around the Marlies tell me that. And he looks better, but I think that's not something that Shalgren uh, nice. kind of, thank you, struggles with. Yeah. Well, and he's cheap. 750 on the cap. He's also 25 years old, so he's. it's not like he's... Yeah, he's not a kid. He's, yeah. And and he played as Josh mentioned. He played a couple of games with the Tucson Roadrunners in 2019, and also with the Rapid City Rush in the ECHL. And Great the, name. The very limited time he had in in North America, his numbers are good. When you look at that, like you know, it looks like you look on his hockey DB or whatever. It's like, well, he only played five games. Like he told me that was his decision. He said, I I didn't see the pathway forward for me with you know the Coyotes organization, so I wanted to go back to to Europe and just play as much as I can. So I, I don't think it was a case of him like, you know, the organization a few years ago saying, eh, I don't know if this guy is going to be a North American goalie. This was him just saying, I need to play more and more and more. Uh, and so he goes back to Europe and he does. All right. Let me ask you guys this before we get you out of here, Josh. Um, James, you can start and then Josh, you can jump in. Do you think the Leafs are at risk at all of not getting some of these European free agents now? Obviously, We've kind of seen the same situation play out in back-to-back years with Barabanov and Semyonov, guys who come over, want to play, don't play, and then it kind of flames out. Um, like, Do you think it'll have any kind of impact that way? James, you can start. Mm, potentially. I mean, you know, Dan Milstein has a really good relationship with the Leafs front office, and he mm-hmm. seems to have an increasingly growing number of these Russian guys are, are his clients. So... But I do wonder, you know, you come all the way over and, and you give up. You know, Semyonov left a lot of money on the table to, to come over. And obviously, that's a big reason why he goes back. I almost wonder with someone like Semyonov, if he just waited another year and then he's going to be too old to sign an entry-level contract in the NHL, if maybe that makes more sense. Because the, the thing with the entry-level deals is you make nothing with the, the Marlies. You make a really, really – you make like a tenth of what you make with the – so if you if you're in the AHL and not in the NHL, it's pretty hard to justify being in North America. So, you know, Shalgren I'm sure is making a a financial sacrifice to uh, to play with the Marlies for a couple of years and and show what he can do. Yeah, I I'm inclined to agree. I just think their track record is is just kind of piling up, right? Like Barabanov, Ojiganov, Semyonov. None of these players really solidified their spot. They came in at different times. But part of me wonders, and this is going to be no surprise coming from me, Jonas, I know we've kind of disagreed about this, but like if you're going to kind of do that, if you're going to show a willingness to sign players, I think there should be a willingness to kind of give Marley's guys a little bit more of a run kind of instead. Right. And I'm not saying there was any, like, you know, this is the problem. I'm not they saying have to be anyone. deserving of it, though. That's like, exactly that's right. the like, thing, right? I don't have anyone that's like jumping off the page and that, that, you know, Alex Steves might not be, well, definitely isn't as ready as, as Semiana. But I guess I'm just saying if you're looking at next season and, and maybe if there's a few names that your scouts have circled, I would wonder if internally there should be a little more push to say, well, why don't we give. You know, player X from the Marlies a run instead. Well, right? the best example of that is is what happened last year with Miko Letnin and Rasmus Sandin. Like they they sign Letnin and then they get into a situation where they're playing Letnin ahead of Sandin. It becomes like a frustrating thing for Sandin. He gets hurt. Like it's that's the the worst example. But Sandin is like is different than most of their prospects. Like he's not in the same boat as Joey Anderson or whoever. 
But that's just it. Like, why wouldn't, like, if you're going to give Semyon up, like, what did he play? 30 minutes total? Yeah, like, he played I, three I, games, I, 10 minutes a game. I'm a believer that, like, that th- those minutes should have gone to, like, a player, like you said, like Joey Anderson, right? Who looked good, somewhere between okay and good last night against Colorado. He obviously wasn't the story, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, but, like... I don't know. Like, Semyonov looked more ready-made than Joey Anderson. It's telling guys that they go get Kyle Clifford, too, right? Like, it just shows yeah. that, like, they, they, it they, shows don't they don't have anything, James. Yeah, like, they don't, yeah, they don't feel like there's anything with the Marlies that's going to fill those those depth spots. I guess it's just, like, if you're going to do it for a game here and there, and you have players that are waiver-exempt, um, I mean, I'm I th- maybe that's just more of my, like, thinking, like, in terms of development is, like, trial by fire, and you have to play these guys so they can learn what it's like you can only have so many trips to you know laval and belleville before you know you kind of have to wonder if they're ready that's just more my line of thinking that's kind of why i like the joseph wall thing it's like just throw him in there and see what he can like we know what michael hutchinson is let's see what wall does in a game or two and he played pretty well yeah and i think there's other players that you can give like a short run right like i i I put that in that that story you mentioned jonas like i think joey anderson should be in contention next year, right? I could, and he's not a prospect anymore, but, you know, why don't you give Rubens a game or two here and there and see see what he looks like? But who right? are you playing him ahead of, right? Like, that's the one of the issues. Like, it's a good thing for them. They haven't really had injuries. Like, the only injuries basically have been Mikheyev and Mrazek, and now obviously Kasha. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> it's a good problem to have, um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm already thinking of just a, ahead to next year. Right. And if you're already, if you're roster planning, I think you have to like slot these guys in somewhere. You know what's interesting is that like, look at how Barabanov's played in San Jose now that he's been playing with better players and been he's getting a more star. of a star. <laughs> well, he's, he's got uh, 17 points in 26 games in San Jose. Yeah. I would have never predicted that based on what we saw in Toronto. But to but be fair, they did give him like when he did get to play, he played with Tavares for a little, a little, bit. A, little. a little, a little bit. Yeah, he's yeah, playing but, sixteen I mean, minutes a game. Holy jeez! Yeah, so like some of the moves he's been making, and it's like okay, yeah, I can see Bear Banoff looks like an NHL player in San Jose. Yeah. All right, this has been fun. Thank you for doing this, Josh. This is a good conversation. You guys let me know. I'm here in Hamilton waiting. Before we uh, let you go, can you give like, before we introduce the pod bag, which we'll take a break and then we'll do, I like to shout out local restaurants. Is there anyone oh. in the hammer you want to, you want to mention? I am sure there's a few hammer faithful listening. Um, the best restaurant in Hamilton bar none, uh, no surprise for me is Shorty's pizza. Um, it is literally, I haven't had, like, Jonas, I've been meaning to get you down here to try it because I know that, like, most of my pizza recommendations have landed pretty well with you. Very well. Um, Shorty's Pizza does literally some of the best slices I've ever had. Beautiful, thin crust stuff. I encourage everyone to get down to East Hamilton and check out Shorty's Pizzeria. Nice. All right. Thanks, Josh. This has been fun. Yeah. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, Josh. All right, James, that was Josh Cloak, our man at The Athletic. Does great stuff for us. Uh, Let's take a break and then let's come back with the pod bag. Okay, James, pod bag time. As always, visit your local restaurants. I'm going to shout out a place that Josh did recommend to me for pizza in Toronto, Baldiali's. I think I'm saying that right. Baldiali's. Their pizza is unreal, James. Like people line up for this stuff um, and it is worth the hype. So... Take over and get to the pod bag. All right, here we go. Brandon wants us to know, with the Leafs taking what looks like a step forward in their team play, uh, their new signings contributing well in brackets, except Richie. Uh, the Marley's process is producing some graduates and draft picks. Do you think that Kyle Dubas gets a longer leash even if they lose in the first round this season? We, it seems like we get this question every week yeah. <laughs> about it's too early. It's too early. Like we, we need to, the, you know, we need the team to play out a season. I would say though, uh, you know, I think that if, if the Leafs continue to be one of the best, you know, three or four teams in the NHL, that is a further argument in, in favor of Kyle Dubas for sure. I would not change the GM no matter what happened, but even even if the team's a complete disaster for the next, yeah, you know, but like th- that's not going to so the most like the scenario that people are envisioning is if they lost again in the first round, would they change the GM? I would not. 
like I just I just think there's there's too much evidence that um there's something that he's building and that it's going to take time and like I don't know and maybe that's not a very good explanation I just don't think I wonder if what you do is you if he does come back if if they lose again in the first round you give him the mandate to change the, the roster that like, is probably very likely yeah if you're keeping your job you gotta at least give us some. Anyway, like this is a, that's a it seems like a stupid thing to talk about right now with how well the team is playing. So it's well, and, and are, you look at the off season. Obviously, we talked about some of the bets that have paid off. The one that not the one, the two that haven't is Richie and Mrazek, and we'll see what happens with Mrazek. Like he's it has been as we've talked about before in the pod. Like it's been a brutal start to his Leaf career, but that can change. Like he can come back, he can stay healthy, he can play well. And they well, could have a good tandem. Jack Campbell's not going to be a nine forty four save percentage the whole year or whatever the number's at right now. What? Like it's he's there's going to be there's going to be times where they're going to need someone else to step up, but I don't think that's going to be. I don't think you want Joseph Wool playing twelve games, and I don't think it's going to be Michael Hutchinson. So they they need Morazic. You know when when there's going to be a dip for a Campbell or when he needs a break or when he gets hurt, they're going to need someone else to step in. So. And Mrazek's getting real close to being back. I mean, there's some thought he might potentially be able to play this weekend. Yeah, the, I guess conditioning stint is in the offing potentially, right. which makes some right. sense given how much time he's missed. So, he can go down and he can hang out with Shalgren for a while. <laughs> Mike McKenna says, can you guys lobby for the Leafs players to not go to the Olympics? I don't want them to go. They need to rest for the playoffs. It doesn't feel like the Olympics are going to happen. What do you think? There's growing skepticism for sure around the league that the NHL is going to go. The opt-out date is sometime in mid-January, I believe. I don't have that in front of me. Well, how many Olympians would they have? They basically have three or four, maybe five, Uh, I guess, of Campbell. I think, think, well, it could be Tavares, Riley, and Marner. I think Tavares is all on Canada. He's close. The locks, okay, but the locks are Matthews, Marner, Nylander. And then maybe Riley, maybe Campbell, maybe Tavares. Campbell really looks like the number three goalie to me for USA. Yeah, maybe Camp for the check, but like probably not. I think that's probably it. Well, you forgot Christian's Rubens. Oh, yes. Well, but he's not a Leaf. Sorry. I guess Kasha could conceivably be in the mix, but probably not. I, I haven't looked at the fourth line options for the Czech team yet, so that that'll have to be a that, that can be a conversation. <laughs> Come for on, James, future. get it together. <laughs> It'll be interesting if we're doing the podcast during the Olympics. Hey, we'll, we'll have to have like a. Assuming the NHL does go, we're going to have some Leafs focused Olympic well, watching podcast. Well, that would be so fun. Like if let's say obviously Canada plays the U.S. and Marner's going against Matthews or. Nealander's going against Marner or I don't know some of that like it'll be a fun tournament it's about time like there's best on best again uh we got a, quite a few questions about Mikheyev coming back uh, I think that's part of why we're seeing some of the that's that's probably part of why Semyonov doesn't see a spot for himself and there's going to be like some cap implications for the roster here with Mrazek and and, and Mikheyev Mikheyev's what do you think his timeline's like at this point? Probably like a couple of weeks. Like he's not even practicing with the team yet. Yeah. Okay. So, but uh, you know, at some point when that does happen, assuming the team is healthy, there's going to be, have to be a decision that needs to be made both in the lineup and, and with the cap situation as well. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, it, I guess it depends when Kasha comes back, but let's say Kasha is back. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking out of the lineup? So, Kasha, in this case, would replace Joey Anderson. So, you would have to take one more person out. Um, I, I think that I know the name I would pick. I'm not sure that's the name they would pick. Richie? I mean, yeah. I think Richie's probably the someone. But I just... But cap-wise, I don't know that... Like, they might have to waive him to sit him. Or they would have to send Lilgren down, I guess. I don't have the the full cap picture in front of me, but I know early in the season that they were really, really tight. Like, it looked like someone like Engvall or something was going to end up on waivers early in the year. Would you do that? No. No, I, I mean, wouldn't. you wouldn't waive Richie? Well, I wouldn't waive Engvall. I, I, think, I think you're okay waving Richie because I don't think anyone's going to claim him. So, what's the difference? Yes. The only, <laughs> the only question is, 
if you want to try and trade him at some point, if he's cleared waivers, it makes it a bit probably a bit tougher. But I think you just you know doesn't it make it easier? Like because then a team can just assign him to their minor league team. I guess there are many teams that want a two and a half million dollar guy in there who doesn't have any goals. Yeah. Tough uh, one, one of the questions we got about Richie, I don't want to talk about Richie a whole bunch, but uh, one question is, uh, he's struggling to score, but is his defensive game okay? He started the season looking like he might be a liability. Seems like he's improving there. Mm. Uh, I, I think I think Richie's... Careful. I think he's... he's he, On that fourth line, he's been okay. Mm-hmm. You don't think he's been okay on the fourth line? The, the, I haven't checked after the the Colorado game, but the fourth line numbers have generally been worse when he's been on it. Well, if you look at like some of the, like the, those like RAPM charts and like some of like the regression models and some of the the war mo- the his his defensive results do not show up very well. No, and so. if you're looking at expected goals against per sixty, he has the worst mark of any forward. Do you think that him, like the the Tavares and, and Marner numbers, are like a, a little bit surprisingly not great in that department? Yes. Is that is that, is that that's playing with Richie on that line? I don't know. That's a good question. They haven't played with Richie. Obviously, they haven't played with Richie much at all. Well, Mar- Marner's played a lot with Richie, like overall for the whole season. True. But well, but it's Tavares's that are are worse. Um, that that those are interesting to me, just because they've kind of sheltered him for the most part like he's got 60 percent zone starts like he's obviously still playing against pretty good players like he played a bunch against Kadri in the colorado game but those are a little i don't know they, they merit watching to me all right we got some more uh greg revac or revic has some suggestions he he suggests here's a couple things he suggests that are good topics how the Leafs are scoring in different ways, uh, tips, rebounds, etc. Have you looked closely at that yet? That feel, almost feels like it needs to be its own story at some point. Well, I wrote a bit about Matthews scoring in different ways um, on Monday. I think that's interesting. I just think it's been interesting. And he scored one of those goals against Colorado, but he's not really scoring or even shooting the way he's he getting used to in the, to the net. Yeah, it's, but it's almost like that's been a recognition that he's not getting those same looks and that he's changed and like he's gone to the net more and like he's scoring around the net all the time now. Like he has such great hands, obviously. Um, but even some of these goals are like tips and like they're rebounds and like this is not how he scored before. This is different. Like he's not really scoring those come down the wing, wicked wrist shot. You know what I mean? Like th- maybe they're, they're just like Sheldon Keith said, they're not generating as many odd man opportunity so that's not there for him as much the uh the other thing that greg asks us to talk about is uh greg harden's influence on the team i don't know how much you've seen of that the one game i went to uh well i wrote about the marner situation like his work with marner so that's i can say that like marner raved about him raved about greg harden what i was going to say is i went to the one game and greg harden was in the press box and Hmm you know, hanging out with some of the guys that were scratches and you could see kind of like the rapport he's building with the players and things like that. So, you know, it's, you don't, I think that the Greg Harden influence was important when they get off to that start and, and yes. you know, the, this guy starts following and the fans and the media start going crazy and you've got just another voice there to, to help kind of stabilize things. Well, and I know what Marner said he appreciated was that Greg Harden like had done his research, like he knew, everything Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. what had happened. And I think that that's helpful, obviously, in building trust. He watched the Amazon doc. (laughs) I'm sure he did. Yeah. He is like, listen, he has a a good reputation. Obviously his work with Tom Brady is well known. Um, But, but just so people know, like this isn't like, he's not like some consultant sitting in Michigan who'd like, you know, like he's he's a he's he's like embedded with the team he's like sitting in the little box with the scratch players and things like that at the games and he's I, there's not another staffer in there i don't think i think he's the at least the game i was at that he was the only one that was there 
we got a number of questions about people asking what are they going to target at the trade deadline. I still I feel like it's too early to get into that. Like I haven't looked at the list of. I don't think names. it's too early. I mean, it's too early to look at potential names. Well, that's what people are asking. They want to know who who should they target. Um, I think they still sh- should target a top six winger, and I I think you depth, have to look de- maybe at maybe a depth defenseman. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would. Maybe even look higher than that. Like I, I still would. Would you can't do both. So they're not going to have the cap space. To no, do. but you can do one or the other in theory. Maybe. Well, I think if you can only make one significant move, i.e., a salary of you know two, three million or more, it's it's it should be up front. It should be another winger. I think that's fair. Uh, Vladdy Matthews wants us to talk about how epic this team is. <laughs> Vladdy Matthews. It's like he's got a picture of. Guerrero on his fans are, are coming back on board here. I don't know. There was there there was some skepticism, but I think the the bandwagon is filling up here. With, well, with fifteen to seventeen probably should make. Well, you and feel they're pretty just smoking good. teams lately too. Yes, you know what? You know what, James? I, I meant to mention this in my Monday story. One thing that I think is pretty interesting is it feels like, and you can tell me if you agree. It kind of feels like they've developed like. I don't know if this is the right word for it, like a B game. Like when they don't really have it, they can kind of find a way to win and close off a win and kind of playing a boring game. It's like when they don't have the goals, they can still. Yes. Yeah. They, the, some of that was happening last year. Like there yes, were games it was were, for sure. Yeah. That was, it, it felt like the TJ Brody influence to some extent with it allowed them to do that last year. Yeah. Who's a guy who we like never talk about ever. ever. Ever <laughs> plays twenty one minutes a game and never comes up. Um, you know, like I, I think the the main question is one that I've got here. Uh, it looks like this person's name is Jack Campbell Enjoyer. <laughs> nice. Uh, is this team for real? Or is this just a hot stretch? When Campbell comes back to earth, are their underlying defensive numbers good enough to sustain them? Their numbers are good. Like they're not. Their underlying numbers are not. 15 wins in every 17 games. So it is a hot streak, but you know, I, th- I feel pretty comfortable saying that Campbell playing out of his mind or not, like if they were getting average goaltending right now, this is still a good hockey team. He has a nine fifty three save percentage during this stretch. And that's just ridiculous. <laughs> and he played well before that too. Like it wasn't like he was, he had struggled early in this season, but that said, Jonas, if you look at, Whatever you want to look, if you want to look at scoring chances, if you want to look at expected goals, if you want to look at Corsi or, you know, I was looking at all that stuff after the Colorado game. The Leafs are top three to top five in in all of those those metrics. So, and I think that that's where they belong with how they've played to start this season. Fair. All right. You got one more good one? Let's see here. Oh, this guy's calling you Spicy J. You love that nickname. Corey Richards says he misses the quote of the week. Yeah, we, oh, haven't, wow. done, we haven't done that. <laughs> we, we have to talk to our producer about why that suddenly disappeared. That's on me. <laughs> it's on brainworms. We uh, He came up briefly with Cloak. What do you, do you think of, of Joey Anderson? Do you think he looked like a, an NHL player or a guy that they should take a longer look at? I still don't know whether he skates well enough to play in the NHL. Yeah. But we'll see. Like, that's one game. And, like, he, that was only, I think, his second game for the least period. Uh, but, like, that is usually the big thing for guys like that, like tweener guys, is, like, they just, they, they don't have the pace. Here's an interesting name for a trade target that I would love. And I haven't looked at the contract situation or what it would take or whatever. But Leafs Optimist says, uh, what about JT Miller from Vancouver as an acquisition? Too expensive, isn't he? Doesn't he make like well, five and a half? When's his deal up? I think it's up after this year. Well, He's so the kind of player you're talking about. Then then what you would need to do... Uh, no, he's got one more year in the deal. That's mm-hmm. what would complicate it. Like if he was in the last year of his deal, you could just do what they did with Foligno and like get a couple of teams to eat a big chunk of the salary and... He makes five two five, but it's that second year on the contract that's going to be problematic. I, JT Miller's fantastic. Like he, you know, he was underrated in Tampa, and then he goes to uh, goes to Vancouver, and he's one of the few players that when you watch, I, I've watched the Canucks a lot, sadly, um, 
and uh, he's one of the few players that really stands out as a difference maker. That's pretty good. No, Ryan Shackleton says he wants Jonas to quit with the we don't know what Jack Kimball is yet. We'll see. This, this season is young. So far, it looks good. But like this is, to be fair to Jack Campbell, like this is going back to the start of last year, which it's like 40 somewhat. I think it's like right around 40 starts where he's been one of the best goalies in the league. I think they found something special here. So yeah. I don't I don't know that when they traded for Jack Campbell, they were thinking it was going to play out like this. Like they were looking for, they were looking for a really good second goaltender and boy, but it's pretty special, pretty special. It's a long year, man. It is a long year. I believe. All right, James. I'll say it right now. Jack Campbell will be a Vezina nominee this year. Wow, calling it. Yeah. That's a really bold go. claim when he is a nine forty six save percentage. Well, it's, it's I think like it you is semi bold. You're the one that just said it was early and it's a long season and Well it is. We'll see. Predicting predicting what goalies are gonna do is like it's almost, it's almost impossible. Predict the other ones. Who do you think is there with him? Markstrom um, yeah. and Shisterkin? Yeah, been re- yeah, that's who I was gonna say was Shisterkin has been really good. Yeah. And Calgary is so good defensively. The only team in the league with fewer goals against per game than the Leafs right now is is the Flames. So, and some of that's Markstrom, but the, the style that the Flames are playing, like we're going to see them in a couple of weeks when the Leafs go on the Western Canada trip, but Calgary is just a really hard team to score on right now. Indeed, James. Indeed. All right. I don't have the schedule in front of me like I normally do to look ahead to next week. Actually, Whoa. now I do. It's, it's, uh, was it Minnesota Saturday, Winnipeg Sunday? It is. And then the Leafs come home, they play Columbus, then Mm -hmm. they play Tampa, then they play Mm -hmm. Chicago, and then that Western road trip you're talking about. So it's a busy week. Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. Leafs Leafs are going to play their first ever game in Seattle right before Christmas. Indeed. They're going to get cracking. A lot of Sunday night games this year. The schedule feels weird this year. I don't know what it is about it. It's almost like there's a big event in the middle of the season that they've had to account for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, James, this has been fun. Thank you for chatting. Thank you to Josh Cloak. Go to theathletic.com slash leaf report if you haven't given The Athletic a try. Give it a shot. Check out Josh's one-on-one with Morgan Riley and lots of other great stuff. James, any parting words, thoughts? That's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye.